Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Oh, wow. I think we can do better than that. I said, how's everybody doing today? Good? All right. Thank you very much. It is good to have you with us. I don't know what's going on with this, but it's good to have you guys with us today. And uh, man, we're super pumped about our Better Now series. Turn to your neighbor and say, Better Now. And so, man, we are uh, we're pumped and look back at them and say, yeah, your breath needs to be better now. Okay, so just kidding. Just kidding. Make friends, not enemies. All right, so, but we are pumped about our Better Now series and we are in part two. Today, we are talking about the formula of freedom, all right? And uh, before we jump into this, I want to let you know we are super pumped about something that is coming up in March. Uh, we are doing Kicks for Kids for the month of March. And if you don't know what that was or what that is, um, you can go to mytc.life on your smartphone or online on your computer. You can go to mytc.life. Um, you can click on events. You'll see Kicks for Kids. And, and throughout the entire month of March, we are aiming to donate 300 pairs of shoes to kids in Peru. Um, and so we want to invite you, bring the shoes with you on Sunday morning. Um, and we're going to try to fill the wall, not build the wall, but fill the wall. Uh, anyways, so we're going to try to fill up a whole wall full of shoes. We're going to try to give 300 pairs of shoes away to the kids in Peru. Uh, did you know in Lima, Peru alone, there's over 500,000 orphans on the streets? Um, many of which do not have shoes. And so we are going to aim to make a small dent, but a dent nonetheless in that population and give some kids some shoes. And so we want to invite you to join us. There's ways that you can do that to make it easier. Uh, you don't have to buy them J's, all right? So they don't need $120 J's running through Peru, all right? You can hit the clearance rack, uh, you know, at the Nike outlet or whatever. Um, and so we want to encourage you to do that. But there are some details uh, about how you can do that and how you can do it effectively. So uh, I, yes, go out and buy shoes. But before you do that, I want to encourage you to go to the website, mytc.life, click on events, and then Kicks for Kids, and you can see all the details there. Uh, there's some important information we want you to have, all right? But can we band together as a tribe and let's make a dent and let's do what God called us to do. Let's love some people and give some things away. And so, man, we are super pumped about that. We want you to join us in that adventure. How many guys think we can do 300 pairs of shoes? You guys think we can do 300? We got to do 300 this year because next year I want to do 500. All right. So, uh, yeah, you guys know me. Never satisfied. There's always more. Right. So let's do it. But we are on Better Now Part 2. I heard the story of this horse, right? And as this horse was uh, running around, he was living his life, he was in his own fenced-in area, right? And so in his fenced-in area, he would run and play. And all the way around his fenced-in area, except for this one spot where he could see out into other fields, were these long or tall bushes. So these tall bushes, he couldn't see over them. They were real thick, so he couldn't see through them. And so he's just looking at all these bushes like, man, like uh, this is crazy. And he would look at his friends out in their fields, and they would be running around. And, and every once in a while, one would jump over this huge berm. They would fall into a hole and break its leg or whatever. And, but he just looked, and he's like, man, it seems like all these horses have all this freedom. Like they can run around. And I'm kind of in my own little fenced-in area. And so one day, he was like, you know what? I don't care what Farmer Joe says, it's time for my freedom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so he takes off towards the bushes, right? Full speed, goes flying through the bushes. You know what happened next? 
to be continued. I'm going to tell you in a minute. All right, so, but we are, we want to talk to you today about the formula of freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say freedom. How many guys want, how many guys want freedom? How many guys want just your life to be free, your spirit to be free? You want to walk in freedom, right? And so we want to talk to you about that formula. Before we do that, I want to look at four areas of our lives that we all have, but we may not be aware that they exist. So let's check these out. The four areas of our life. Number one is the arena. The arena. Now, not like the Spartan arena. Like, no, like the arena is the part of my life that I know about and you know about, right? So the arena that I live in is the arena where we eat sushi and cheesecake. Come on, somebody. Hey, there it is. (laughs) So that's that's my arena that I live in, and if you want to join me, we can all partake together. You know what I'm talking about? We ain't fighting with swords, but we got some chopsticks. Anyway, so the arena is the part of my life that I know about and you know about. Now, let's break that down to more of a maybe a spiritual portion, something we can understand and apply it to what we're talking about today. The arena is maybe a struggle that I'm dealing with, that I'm aware of, and you, that if you're in my small group, you're aware of, right? Anybody got some people in your relationship or in your life that they speak directly into your life and say, hey, I see that thing, and both you're aware of it and they're aware of it? That's the arena, right? The second part is the mask, the mask. And so these are all in your notes. You guys can fill in these blanks. The mask is the part about my life that I know about, but you don't know about. Now, the mask, we talk about this with small groups a lot because in small groups, what happens is inevitably when we encounter new people and they ask us how we're doing, what is our response? I'm fine, right? I'm fine. But what happens when we say we're fine? See, I think fine comes from a definition. I stole this from the movie, The Italian Job, but fine means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So when people say, I'm fine, I'm like, I hear you. I bet you're fine. (laughs) But how many guys know that the real us is oftentimes dealing with some problems that we don't want to let everybody else around us know about? Will we all admit that? So we all wear a mask. And behind that mask is our struggles. It's the things we're dealing with. It's our hurts. It's our pains. It's our brokenness. Uh, But we put on the mask when we go to church. Maybe you put on the mask when you go to work. And so when you're around everyone else, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. But they don't really know that you have a pornography addiction, your marriage is on the rocks, and you can't stop drinking because you're so depressed. Oh, we're not real enough today. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize. How many of y'all know we got some issues behind the mask, right? So we get around people. We don't want to let them know. And this is why small groups are so important, guys. This is why relationships are so important. Because our intention is that you would walk into the small group your very first day in front of 15 to 20 people. You would take the mask off and you would tell them all about your addiction. I'm just kidding. That's not how it works. Calm down. Okay. Some of y'all are unsubscribing from small groups. All right. Not what I had in mind. All right. That's not what happens. What happens is is our prayer and our hope is that you walk into the small groups the first time. And maybe on the first day, like you keep the mask on, right? I don't know none of these people. I'm not trying to let them into my world just yet. Maybe on the third week, maybe on the ninth week. But at some point in the semester, our goal is that you don't necessarily meet 15 or 20 people that you just automatically trust with your whole heart, but maybe you meet two. Maybe you just meet one. And in that relationship, over time, week after week, you're sitting there and maybe you're just eating dinner with them. We went to the dinner small group last night, had some sushi and some crab wontons. Boy, listen, hey. Anyways, um, sorry, I get off track with food. But when we were there, listen, I didn't pour my heart out at the dinner table. 
but I keep getting close. And across the dinner table with me was my man, True. And uh, True, no, and we could talk about life together. Why? Because we keep building that relationship. Does that make sense? And our hope is that not even necessarily at the small group, but maybe me and True get close enough that I holler at True one day and say, hey, listen, man, can we go to coffee this week? I'd love to tell you about some of the stuff I'm dealing with. And when we go to coffee, I tell him I pour my heart out to True, and I, I, I pick that moment, and I take the mask off. And I say, hey, man, this is the real me. And you know what True does? He runs away. I'm just kidding. He doesn't run away. He, True's like, man, how can I help you with that? Because I care about you, and I care about your marriage. I care about whatever you may be going through, and it is, it's a desire of mine to help you move closer towards Jesus. How many guys know we all need that, right? And so the mask, it hides our pain, but if we don't ever take it off, then we don't ever let other people become a part of it so it can get healed. And we all need healing because we all need freedom. Hey, all right? So number three is the blind spot. The blind spot. That's the part about my life that the people around me know about, but I don't know about. So for some of you, maybe someone has walked up to you before and been like, hey, you know you got an anger problem? And you'd be like, say it again, I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> told you. No, I'm just kidding, right? But we all have blind spots, areas of our life we don't even know our struggle until someone else comes alongside us and goes, hey, um, you might want to pay attention to that. Inevitably, all the time, I constantly deal with this with husbands. Um, and, and it's not because husbands are worse than wives. It's because I'm a husband, I think God gives me grace to help identify things in other husbands that maybe isn't quite healthy. So maybe how they appreciate or don't appreciate their spouse, I'll come alongside and be like, hey, man, the way you talk to her doesn't communicate love. And they go, what are you talking about? And it's a blind spot that they have. They don't realize that the way their dad talked to their mom isn't acceptable either, but they just picked it up along the way. But we all have blind spots, and we all need someone to come alongside us and call them out. All right? Then number four is our potential. Our potential it's a part of the life that I don't know about and the people around me don't know about. There's only one person that knows about our potential, and that's God. Can I tell you something, though? Inside of every one of you and us, myself included, inside of every one of us is a locked-up potential that God has yet to fully release into our life. Something he wants to do amazing. He wants to allow you to flourish. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to take you to new levels. He wants to increase in your life the abundance that he has for you so that you can be in someone else's life, what someone was able to be in yours. God has a desire to release amazing potential and purpose into your life, but it has to be unlocked. And the only way it gets unlocked is if we deal with our own stuff first. We were on a podcast this past week. We were, we were recording our weekly follow-up and Karen made a statement and it kind of brought about a follow-up conversation. Did you know that every hurt that you have in your life, every pain, every bit of damage that exists in your life right now exists from a relationship? Someone let you down. Someone did you wrong. Someone stabbed you in the back. Every damage that happened in your life that exists right now inside of you is a result from what someone else did to you. Even better, guess what? Did you know that every bit of damage that exists in your life can only be healed through a relationship also? In other words, you can't win this battle on your own. You need someone to come alongside you and become the healing factor in that relationship that helped damage it to start with. So all that to say, we all need healthy relationships. The problem is, how many of y'all pick some of the wrong ones? Right? 
How many of y'all picked some of the wrong friends to pour your heart out to? Like, dang, they put that on Facebook? This is crazy. Right? Why? Can I tell you something? Everybody don't have your best interest at heart. Everyone is not looking out for you. Some people are only looking out for themselves. Can I tell you something? The only relationships that you can trust are the ones that God has brought into your life. And you say, Pastor, how do I know which relationships God is bringing in my life and which ones he's, he's not bringing in my life? Which relationships are the ones that are building you up with God's character and which ones are building you up with your own? The people that are driving you closer to the Lord are the ones you need to hang on to. The other ones are the ones, I'm not telling you you just need to deuce out on everybody. I'm saying you just need to assess how much you let them speak into your life. Because there may be some people that you are there to lead. Y'all with me today? But if they are leading you better than you are leading them, you might need to cut the cord. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because what? I got, I got something I'm trying to live up to, and I'm not trying to let everyone else bring me down. Y'all with me today? So those are the four areas that we're dealing with. Let's talk about the formula of freedom today. Number one, the first thing in the formula of freedom is grace. And grace is the unmerited favor of God towards people. Can I tell you something today? There is nothing about us that makes God have to pour grace out in our life. There is nothing about us that is so awesome that God's like, I just got to have them. But there's an unmerited, unearned, undeserving grace that God just wants to give you. He wants to pour out over your life. He looks at you and he isn't saying, I have to have him. There's no requirement that God would give us grace. But when he looks at us, he loves us so much that he chooses to give it to us anyways. How many of you messed up and blown it before? How many of y'all, where, where, where are the sin people at? Raise your hand. Everybody's like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand for that. Wait, who's messed up before? Raise your hand. Sin, mess. All right. So the rest of you, just you lied just now. So you can raise your hand now. Okay. Now, listen, how, we, we've all blown it before, right? The Bible says that there is none righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible said. So we've messed up. We've all got some issues that we're dealing with, right? But God knows that because of the sin in our life, he can't allow us to be close to him. You see, God doesn't allow sin into his presence. He's holy before he's anything else. And since he doesn't let sin in his presence, he looked at me and he looked at you and he said, I've got to figure out a way to forgive them of their sin so that they can be close to me again. And the only option friend. The only option wasn't your church attendance. It's not how well you can do things. It's not how, if you can open enough doors for old ladies. It's none of those things. The only thing that gives you access back to God's presence is putting your faith in Jesus. When he died on the cross, he paid for all of my sins and he paid for your sins. And when you say, I'm no longer going to live for me, but I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Now we have applied the payment on the cross to all of the sin in our life and now we have access to a God that loves us. I don't know about you, but that grace is an amazing, supernatural, freeing experience that it applies to our life in such a way that I no longer have to live under this cloud of judgment but I get to look to God and the Bible says we get to come boldly before the throne room where God sits and we get to cry out, Abba Father. We get to cry out to a God who loves us so much that he would call us his own children. That's grace. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy 
is not getting what you deserve. Let's do it one more time. Where are the sin people at? Where are we all at? Raise our hand. Okay, everybody. Those of you that just lied again. All right, so very good. We deserve hell, just so we can be clear. I know there's some pastors preaching that hell ain't real and all that stuff. They're lying. The Bible is clear. Hell exists, and we all deserve it because of sin. But he's choosing not to give us hell. That's mercy, by not giving us what we do deserve. But then grace is giving you what you do not deserve. See, he could just let us not exist. He could could cause us to not go to hell, but cease to exist after we die. But then in his grace, he doesn't just not make us go to hell. He gives us an opportunity to experience heaven. And how graceful is it that God would look at us in the midst of our brokenness, in my brokenness. I can't speak on behalf of all of you, but in my brokenness and in my sin. And in the areas of shame where I know I haven't lined up with what God wants for me, he still looks at me with open arms and says, I've got grace for you. How great is that? That God loves us that much. So there's grace and then there's truth. Truth. And truth is the self-expressed desires and realities of God. The self-expressed realities and desires that God has for us. So there's grace and there's truth. Turn your neighbor and say grace and truth. So there's grace and truth in our life that exists. And can I tell you something? Both of them are working together for your good. And we're going to look at how in just a minute. John 1.14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. And when they say the word became flesh, they're talking about Jesus. The word that was in the beginning was Jesus. He became flesh. He became man. And so that he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, who is God, full of, say this words with me again, grace and truth, right? That God's abundant nature in us is grace. And listen, I can tell you right now, you want to know how I could tell you how much grace you need? Let me follow you in traffic for about a day. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Some of y'all got like grips from where you've been squeezing the steering wheel mad at the person in front of you, right? I was riding, we, me and Ashley went to Atlanta this past week. So we went, hung out in Atlanta, did a few things, we were hanging out. She has to drive when we go everywhere, which just breaks my heart. <laughs> so she's like, uh, I need to drive or I'll get sick. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know. So, but she's driving and it's so funny because she's only this tall, for those of you that haven't met her. She's only, she's only this tall. She's a little blonde headed bombshell, all right? So uh, anyway, so... But when she gets really angry, she growls. So she's driving her steering wheel. She, she, she leans up on the steering wheel. She's like, Arr! And I'm like, you are just so cute. Anyway, so. But some of y'all got some road rage that uh, y'all need some grace and some truth in. Anyway, so I'm not preaching to my wife. But if my wife gets something out of this message, it's really good. Anyway, so. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
She's my queen. Anyways, but God has so much grace and truth for us. So how does it work? Grace is God's unending love for us that he pours out on us, even though we couldn't deserve it. But truth is the structure of that grace. So grace says, no matter what you do, I will love you because I've given you this grace. But truth says, because I love you, you need to fall into this place where you're pursuing after my character, the integrity. You're lining up with the word that I have for you. You're lining up with how the Bible tells us that I should, that us, that we should live. So grace gives us the ability to come to God, but truth allows us to structure our life after God. And we need, for freedom, we need both, both grace and truth. Tim Keller says this in the quote, talking about truth. If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. I don't know about you, but every time I open the book, Every time I open the Bible, it does a really good job at pointing out things of my life that need to change. And can I tell you something? I don't get the luxury of saying, well, that's just not my truth. Can I tell you something? You don't have my truth. You don't have your truth, and then there's my truth. There's only the truth. And the truth lines us up with what God's word applies in our life. Is it always comfortable? No. Does it do a good job at saying, hey, you're not quite there yet? <laughs> Absolutely. Can I tell you something? Because none of us are quite there yet, myself included. So we have to find ourselves lining up with where God is taking us. But here's the beauty behind grace. Eric Mason gives us this quote. He says, grace creates an environment for truth to be heard. How many of you grew up, maybe you grew up in the church or you grew up with a religious relative or, and they, they just constantly hammered away at you with the truth message where you're never good enough and God hates you and shame on you and like anybody ever, oh, okay, four of us, awesome. What, I don't know where the rest of you go. Right. How many guys grew up under just like this constant state of never feeling good enough and always feeling judged, right? That's because the truth brings law. And can I tell you something? That's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when it's out of order. You see, many of us lived under law, but we never saw grace. The problem is, nowadays, many people are living under grace, but they're never hearing truth. You see, a lot of us find ourselves in this self-perpetuating cycle of sin, and we can't figure out why we can't break it. And it's because we're not allowing the book to speak truth into our life to tell us that's got to change. So grace says, I'll love you no matter what. But if you don't allow truth to come into your life, you find yourself keep on sleeping with that same person you're not married to and can't figure out why you can't stop. Because truth says, until you're married, you don't sleep together. The problem is, that goes against the sin nature that exists in our life. And we go, well, I hear you, but I just, no, 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 no. We need grace and truth. The reality is, if you do it, grace covers it. But as you walk in grace, allow it to transform the desires of your heart to what God has for you. And as we do that, we get to pursue the purposeful will in, of God in our life. You guys with me today? So we need grace. Everyone say grace. And we need truth. Everyone say truth. Together, they do two, three things. Let's give you those today. Together, they create unity with God. When they're together, they create unity with God. Because grace brings us close, but truth keeps us there. I'm going to say it again. Grace brings us close to God, but truth keeps us there, which is why for many of us in grace, 
We'll come on Sunday morning, we're brought close to the Lord, and as we come close to the Lord, we can feel his love for us. We're in worship, hands lifted. We feel good when we leave because we've had that grace applied in our life. But then if we don't have anyone or anything speaking truth into our life to say, this is how you carry yourself now that you walk in grace, hear me today. The beauty of the gospel isn't get your life together so that God loves you. The beauty of the gospel is God loves you, and because he's poured grace out on you, now you get to allow him to help you get these areas of your life together. I am not here trying to judge you on where you're not yet. I'm here telling you that because the gospel exists, you get to come to Jesus and say, here's these broken pieces of my life. I need you to put them back together. And as he does, he creates healthy structure and truth to show you where you should go rather than just leaving it all up to you. You want to know why? Because when I'm left to my own devices, I make some terrible decisions, y'all. I know that's just me and three other people, but the rest of y'all just made, y'all just golden decisions. You know, we can see the track record. (laughs) Y'all like, "Mm mm-mm, no. The reality is, how many of us would be terrified if just one day of our thoughts were played on a screen in front of everyone? We would cower in silence. Why? Because ain't none of us got there yet, Right? That's why we need grace and truth, because together they create unity in God, right? Grace is the relational aspect of God's character, whereas truth is the structural aspect of God's character. You see, grace gives you the opportunity to be in relationship with Jesus. Guess what the beauty of grace is? The gospel. The beauty behind Jesus going to the cross is now we have a relationship with God and grace is applied to our life. But then truth is introduced and it comes alongside us and says, I know this is always what you've done, but because of who Jesus is, we want to change that. He wants to bring you over here. And as we step into truth, we watch ourselves line up with God's word. The best way that I can think to paint this picture for some of you is, is that in our body, if you were to picture a physical body, is that grace is our heartbeat, but truth is our skeleton. But hear me today, you can't live without either one of them. Grace keeps our heart going because if it weren't for grace, judgment would set in and we would instantly be suffocated by the sin that exists in our lives. But grace keeps our heart going. How many of you guys are glad for grace to keep your spiritual heart going? But truth is the skeleton that lets you stand upright. It's the character. It is integrity. Truth comes along and says, yes, your heart is still beating, but to be able to stand upright in God, to have character and integrity, means to walk and to live the way God has destined you to walk and live. Can I tell you something? There is freedom in knowing your parameters. There is freedom in knowing, oh, this is, all right, this is the lane you have for me. I'm going to do my best to stay in this lane. Why? Because in that freedom, we get to walk in both grace, both grace and truth. Galatians 5, 13 says this, For you have been called to live in, say this word with me, freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Now, when most people read this, they think that Paul's talking to to non-Christian sinners. But I want you to say this with me, brothers and sisters. You know what that means? He's talking to believers. 
Listen, Paul didn't catch slang there in the New Testament, okay? He wasn't like, brothers and sisters. That wasn't what Paul was doing there. He was referencing believing brothers and sisters. So if Paul was telling them, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, that means if you still got areas of your life that haven't lined up with God's word yet, then you're still working on killing that thing. How many of you still, like, with, like me, are still working on putting that to death? How many some days you get home and you go, I really feel like I made it today? How many of you get home on some days and you're like, knew I blew it before I even got to work? Okay, so, like, how many, how many of you have said the phrase, maybe in prayer or just out loud, said the phrase, God, I'm trying? Maybe your kids were acting whack that morning and you just, God, I'm trying. But you go, no, I'm just kidding. But how many of us have ever used that phrase in our spirit or in prayer? Like, God, I'm really trying. Can I tell you something? The beauty behind this is that none of us have arrived yet. None of us are there yet. You may still be trying to line that thing up. Can I tell you something? This is a constant pursuit until the day where we get to spend eternity with Jesus. Some days you get it right and some days you miss it. Can I tell you something? Grace is there to cover that. He's there to say, I know you're not there yet, but I just want to give you some grace. So that when you miss it, grace is there to hold you up. The beauty, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The beauty behind this is that everywhere that grace exists, God gives us the next step of truth. Listen, he says, instead of focusing on your sinful nature, focusing on loving other people. Focus on doing the right thing for them. And you'll start watching your skeleton. You'll start watching that truth line up in you. Listen, can you abuse grace? I think the reality is we all abuse grace because all of us receive grace for today and walk right back out tomorrow and do something stupid, right? But we need truth to come alongside us and lead us and guide us. Next, together they create a clarity of God. Together they create clarity, a clear picture of who God is. Grace and truth together. Some of you have heard the story of the woman with the issue of blood. So she, uh, the Pharisees, the religious crowd, brings her to Jesus. She's caught in adultery. It's not, it wasn't a theory. It wasn't something that might have happened. They caught her in adultery. They bring her in front of Jesus. And they say, what do we do? John 8, 4 through 5. It's in your notes, but let's read it on the screen. Teacher, they said to Jesus... This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says to stone her. What do you say? I want you to replace the adultery and the woman with you and whatever thing you're still battling with. What if someone brought you in front of Jesus and said, John, still battling this pornography addiction, still battling this drug problem. The law says that he should die an eternal death. Jesus, what do you say? I love Jesus' response. Jump down to verse 10, but before we get there, I want to lay the story out for you. So Jesus looks at her and looks at these men that have brought her. And Jesus says, all right, the law says to stone her. Before we do that, I got a message for you. And he bends down, he writes a message in the sand in front of all these guys. He says, let the, first, let the one that has no sin cast the first stone. Now, the problem is we don't know what he wrote in the sand. I have a theory because I got a feeling he started writing all the women they were having affairs with names in the sand. 
like, Jessica, thank you. You're out. <laughs> Crystal, uh-huh. Vladimir, gone, okay. Like, I got a feeling he just started writing names in the sand, and one by one, they just started dropping their rocks. And he stood up. He said, all right, you can stone her, but any one of you that doesn't have any sin, you get to throw the first stone. And they walked away. And that's where we pick up at verse 10. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was called. Oh, sorry. Then they picked up verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And can I tell you something? This is the most beautiful picture of grace and truth. Because uh, was she guilty? Yes. Are you and I guilty? Yes. Was there real sin in her life? Yes. Is there real sin in our lives? Yes. But was she brought before Jesus? And this is what happened. Who condemns you? No one, she said. Neither do I. And that is grace. When God looks at you, he's not looking to condemn you because Jesus has given you a pathway out of that condemnation. So he's not looking to beat you up. He's not looking to condemn you. But truth is necessary where he says, all right, now go and sin no more. See, in our lives, too many of us have heard God is here with grace. God is here with grace. God is here with grace. And he is. But until truth sets in on your life, you will continue to be in a perpetuating cycle of sin and never find yourself completely free because truth hasn't come alongside you to say, now put that down and stop going sin no more. The neither do I judge you is available to you today, but the go and sin no more is still part of the whole picture. If we want to walk in freedom, then we have to see both, right? Grace, is on your notes, grace leaves you wanting structure, but truth leaves you wanting love. How many guys, again, grew up in the, in the truth home, the law home, where you're like, man, I feel like God hates me, like, all the time. How many of you never felt good enough? Like, God, I'm, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. That's because truth exists with no grace. How many of you know people, or maybe it's even you, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, that they cannot stop getting, they can't find themselves free from this sinful part of their life, well, it's because they are walking in grace, but truth hasn't come on their life yet. But to walk in true freedom means to embrace both. And then lastly, number three, together they create true freedom in God. Together they create true freedom in God. Why? Because truth without grace is merely judgment. But grace without truth is a spiritual prison. Grace without truth is a spiritual prison where you constantly feel confined. You constantly feel locked up. You constantly feel like you can't get anywhere. And all of a sudden, uh, we find ourselves in this prison where freedom is not an option. I know God loves me because he gave me grace, but I can't get free. Or I know God loves me, but I don't ever feel like it because I feel like I'm constantly getting beat up. The reality is he loves you. He's giving you freedom. He's giving you grace. He's walking with you. He's able to cover your sin. He's able to cover everything about you and move you forward into what he has for you. But the reality is just like that is a beating heart in your spirit, there's also a truth skeleton. There's a structure that God says, here, now that you're free, live this way. And can I say something? It's not live this way or else. It's just live this way. Listen, there are tons of people that I believe are going to go to heaven. But as on, on that journey to heaven, 
They're in a constant state of never feeling good enough. And can I tell you something? Truth gives us assurance. Grace gives us freedom, but truth gives us assurance. Like, yeah, God's got this. And there's a confidence that comes in truth. 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 17 through 18 says this as we wrap this up. For the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. But with that freedom, which is grace, comes truth. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image. You see, freedom is the grace that's available, but becoming like Christ is the truth that's necessary. So freedom is the grace, but character of Christ is the truth that is necessary. Which brings us to our last point. Grace surrounds us to help us flourish, but the presence of truth actually makes us free. So grace surrounds us to help us flourish, but the presence of truth actually makes us free. So the story of the horse that I was telling, so the horse goes running full speed at the bushes, right? Because he sees all the other horses, they get to do whatever they want. I want to be like that. I'm tired of living inside of these bushes that keep me confined. As soon as he hits the bushes, on the other side is a cliff and he goes falling down the cliff because the bushes represent grace where God says, no, 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 my grace is trying to keep you here. It's trying to show you, it's not that there's something better outside of my grace. It's to show you that if you'll just learn that inside of my grace, if you could learn to live inside of this place that I've created for you, you're in a constant state of freedom. You don't have to fear what's on the outside. You don't have to wonder what's available for you out there because there's nothing out there for you but destruction. But if you'll embrace what's inside of my grace, then we can walk together forever. The problem is many of us are so fixated on what we can't have that we lose the appreciation of what we do have. And outside of God's grace, there is nothing waiting for us except for pain and brokenness. But inside of God's grace and comforted by his truth, the consequences of our decisions and our actions don't have to create pain and brokenness anymore but we get to walk in complete freedom with God. And today, I'm here to tell you that if you allow grace and truth together to saturate your life, the grace, this unmerited favor that God wants to pour out on your life, that regardless of your sin, God's ready just to give it to you because it's a free gift, the Bible says, we get to receive that. But with it, if you want a genuinely true free life, then truth is necessary to come alongside you and say, all right, now that you're walking in grace, here is the structure that you live by. And as we fall in line with that structure, not out of law, not out of fear, but out of faith, in that we find true freedom. How many guys are ready to live free today? Amen. So let's pray this morning. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you have chosen to give us true freedom. 
God, we thank you that in our sin, God, you looked at us and you didn't just roll your eyes. You didn't just become so disgusted with our our decisions that you turned away from us. But as a matter of fact, in the midst of our decision-making, God, you chose to pour out grace on our life. And we thank you. And today, if you're in this room and maybe you've found yourself in this perpetuating cycle of bad decision-making, and God didn't come to fix us. He came to make us brand new. And today, maybe you're in this state of bad decision-making where you can't seem to get a grip on what area, what direction God wants for you. I'm here to tell you today that there is true freedom that exists when truth comes alongside you. And for some of you today, a decision needs to be made that you're no longer gonna pursue after truthless grace where you get to follow God but do whatever you want but you're going to follow God and say God show me what you want and if that's you I just want to pray for you for just a moment so God those that are in this room right now Father where they've they've stepped into your reality they stepped into grace they stepped into the abundant love that you have for them God but Lord they've denied truth or they've just not realized that the true nature of your truth is to actually create freedom. But God, I pray for every single one, Father, that are here today, that they need structure. They need you to come alongside them and say, I've loved you this much, but I've done it so that you can have this kind of freedom. God, for those that are in this room, that that part of their life is out of whack. God, I pray that you show them that you are here to rearrange it. And friend, if you are here today and that's you, I encourage you to ask God, God, give me structure and truth so that I can follow you in true freedom. In Jesus' name, with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed today, if, if you're here and your life just doesn't belong to the Lord, maybe you know about God, maybe you know enough about him to know that your life isn't right with him, but today you wanna make a decision that says, you know what, I've tried to live in life my way and it's never really worked out. But today, I wanna give him my life. So God, I'm giving you my heart, I'm giving you my life and I wanna follow after you. The beauty of grace is that neither God nor us is here ready to judge you, look down on you. As a matter of fact, we as a church are ready to lift you up so that you can be close to him this morning and if that's you no one's looking at you I'm not going to come to you I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to point you out neither will anyone else in this church we do want to pray for you today and if today you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus all you have to do as we get ready to pray for you this morning and again we're not going to come to you if that's you you say that's me pastor I'm, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord today and I want to follow him will you raise your hand right where you sit and say that's me pastor I'm ready to give him my life I'm ready to give him my everything God bless you God bless you once you put it up you can put it down like I said we're not here to embarrass you and we're not going to call you out God bless you once you are there more that says that's me pastor I'm ready to give my life to Jesus maybe you're watching us online today and you say that's me I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give him my everything. And if that's you today, the beauty of the gospel is that we put our faith in Jesus, that when he went to the cross, he paid for our sins. And so today we wanna acknowledge with words what we're believing in our heart, and that is that Jesus is taking control of our life and we're surrendering to him. 
And so this prayer that we're about to pray doesn't make you saved, but it's acknowledging with words what you're believing in your heart. And that is that faith has taken over and that Jesus is now in control. But we wanna pray a prayer together that lets us declare it with our mouths. And so the whole church is gonna pray it with you. So you're not praying it by yourself. And whether you're in the room or you're watching us online, we wanna encourage you to pray this with us. So church, let's pray it with our brothers and sisters this morning. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I want to walk in grace but I wanna walk in truth. Give me the free life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together one time for all those that prayed that this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.